Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida. Brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy. At the intersection of hospitality, technology, and on-demand cocktails at major events, Tended Bar is changing the game when it comes to the customer experience. In this download, Jacksonville Business Journal Editor-in-Chief Tim Gibbons invites co-founder and CEO Justin Honeysuckle to share this mix of drink technology. You have grown a company out of an idea into something that is impacting sports fans and commuters and a whole range of people. But let's go back for listeners who might not be familiar with Tended Bar, at least yet. Explain what you do. So Tinder Bar is an automated cocktail dispensing system. You know, right now we're specializing in high volume venues and events, and currently we're transitioning into the everyday use case environment as well. But we make real fresh cocktails at the touch of a button. And we can do liquor, beer, or wine, your full mixed spirit, whether you want, you know, whiskey, tequila, vodka, et cetera, whatever you want to mix it with, really tailoring your cocktail to to what you want, what the fan or what the patron wants. Parts of it that are really advantageous in a high volume environment are we can do 35 people in one machine in five minutes. Comparatively speaking to a regular bartending scenario, you're never going to be able to touch that. Outside of that, we can verify your ID all through facial recognition and through our software that we have made for this process. And when you sign up for Tinder Bar once, you're signed up forever. And I think the biggest thing we've done recently, which I hope I'm sure we'll touch on today, but now you can walk up to any Tinder Bar and register right there on the bar seamlessly in your first drink interaction. And that's had a big impact in the last week since we launched it. So the technology is fascinating to me. I'm familiar with places that have the self-dispensing beer sort of thing where you have the wristband and you go up and you scan it, which is similar. But the facial recognition bit of this is a game changer that it's probably more complicated in the back end, but less complicated to the customer. How did you go about developing the software? Well, originally we started with an RFID wristband, just like you're referencing that the beer walls have and things of that nature, whether it's a card or a wristband, doesn't really matter. Because we had launched in 2019 here at Bystar Arena in Jacksonville and started with that, had a great first six months. Unfortunately, six months into our launch was COVID came about and, you know, obviously kind of threw us all for a loop and never thought it was going to last that long. But as it lasted... We're like, well, we can't have every one of our employees touching every single patron. You know, it just didn't seem like the right way to go about it. And my brother and I had always wanted to do facial recognition. And I was actually doing a, watching a sports techie business panel. And during that business panel, one of the guys on there was the founder of a company called Trueface, which is a facial recognition algorithm and one of the best ones in the country. Now, that algorithm as well now got obtained by another company called Pangium. But we started a connection, just started talking, figuring out how we could use it. They're really doing it more in the Air Force and TSA world, but bringing it into the, you know, kind of private market was something they hadn't done yet. So they kind of took a chance on us and we kind of went with it and really just started developing the software as it could go. And it's been through several iterations now, but, you know, we really chose it because it was the quickest in the market. And, you know, we basically have almost instantaneous recognition in the field. We kind of jumped ahead in talking about the uh, the cutting edge technology stuff, but go back for a moment and talk a little bit about how this idea came together in the first place. I mean, as you've said, there's the beer wall sort of thing, but you know, beer's easier. Yeah, yeah, there's complications there with the pressurized system and everything. But you know, mixing drinks 
takes its own software and having everything in place takes its own hardware. But how'd you come up with the idea in the first place? Really, is my brother. So my brother was in college at Purdue University, and he had a senior design project to do an automated bar. This was much more of a tabletop version for a frat house, for lack of a better version. And it kind of got a little bit of, you know, fanfare locally within the, you know, environment that you're in in a college town. And he entered into a contest called Recess. Recess essentially was a college version of Shark Tank. Got one of the at-large bids, flew him out to Vegas, didn't win, but got good exposure. It was like, hey, maybe we have something here to, to do a little more. Started emailing hundreds of investors. One of them happened to be Mark Cuban, and that's the only one who responded. So Mark responded, put in a small investment originally as our first investor to get things off and running at Tinder Bar. I personally was a designer and architect by trade, and so I helped Jay design the actual bar itself. And Jay did all the controls and the automation. He's, a, he's an engineer on the backside. So we kind of play it by, like, he makes it work. I try to make it look good situation and put the first bar in downtown Nashville at a place called Honky Tonk Central, three-story bar on Broadway. Great place to get started. Unfortunately, it never really went anywhere there. And so it just kind of sat there stagnant for about a year. It didn't really get any usage. So at that point, we started looking at really options on how to take it to another level and where bartending was and realized this is 2014. So, you know, the word automation was was not as accepted as it is now, really, in these short years, 10, you know, nine years now. So it was much more of a job killer, you know, theoretically speaking at that time, instead of an enhancer. But we looked at places where I'm not trying to have a bartending experience. I'm here for something else. So that was where really the high volume venues came into play to where we could sit there and say, OK, if I'm going to a, a football game, a baseball game, a concert, I'm here for another reason. The alcohol is enhancing my experience, but it shouldn't be a hindrance. I don't want to wait in line for this. I'm not trying to have a conversation with the bartender. I'm trying to get my whiskey Coke and go back in the in the game and go back in the concert. Um, and I want to do that fast. And we started looking at lines. And obviously, I, I lived here in Jack's Beach, and I'd been to a number of games. And we said, like, well, let's just watch them, see what happens. And we just started taking, you know, literally taking our phones and recording them and watching the lines and seeing how slow they were. And I think it was our averages were nine to 12 minutes for the if you're the fourth person in line to get a cocktail, which just kind of seems absurd to wait that long. If you're the fourth person in line, that's not 30 people deep. That's just number four. So we said, how can we make that better? And what things can we do to, to solve that? And, you know, when we looked at a lot of different options out there getting too many options was also you know not advantageous to us but at the same time a lot of these places had maybe three liquor options or four liquor options so we said we need more than that because you know if i drink whiskey my brother drinks spiced rum you know my wife drinks vodka we all want to go to the same place and be able to get everything we want in that process and in that it was how do we how do we make that happen and make sure we have enough because in those environments you know making sure you don't have you know, you don't have something that if, if you were a patron, you want to make sure that they had what they wanted, but you don't want to give them too many options at the same time. So we need to make that process as seamless as possible. So like our standard bar has four screens, so four points of sale in a 10 foot space, which is about the size of a mobile bar cart in any stadium you've ever been to. It has 200 bottles of liquor equivalency in there. So 200 liters with 10 different liquor types. And we can do liquor or wine simultaneously in those machines. And then a full bag in the box mixer system which that bag in the box mixer system, not just like your soda gun behind a bar. It's got, you know, all your, you know, Coke, Diet Cokes, Sprites, ginger ales, lemonades, juices, everything. So you can pretty much make about the 95% of common cocktails 
you know, we're not going to make your smoked old fashioned, but we're going to be able to make everything else for them in that environment that you're normally getting and, you know, serving it expedited as possible. I think that's part of what you you just pointed at of the idea that when I want my smoked old fashioned, I want to go to a craft cocktail bar and I want to I want to watch the bartender make it. And I want to you know see him muddle the ingredients and, and that's part of that experience is being at a bar. Being at a Jags game is I want to get back to my seat and you know hope they win. Looking at two different customer bases. Totally. I'm never going to replace Joe the bartender. You know it's not going to happen. I mean there is some nostalgia with that. But if you look at today's society and the way it works, and I travel quite a bit, you know, whether it's going to a hotel bar, whether it's going to these things, you look at when we walk in, everybody's on their phones. You know, you, I'm lucky to have a conversation with the bartender if I want to try to even make that possible. So just making it more sufficient to where you can get what you want when you want it on a regular basis, I think, is is what we're trying to bring to the environment. So you talk about how you started out at the arena here and you've gotten uptake across a variety of sports so you're in nfl stadiums and you're in mls stadiums any differences you see between the different fans totally i mean i think nfl for example is something the time of day makes a difference you know you got sundays more often than not you're a sunday afternoon you know people have to work the next day if it's a sunday evening you have to work the next day liquor definitely is a little bit different in that environment and different demographics too. I mean, different cities make, you know, certain cities are more beer centric, I'd say. Certain cities are more liquor centric, you know, it just kind of depends. But I think the biggest difference really is just accessibility. We've gone through the iterations, like I said, from RFID wristbands to our first version of facial recognition when we launched with the Jaguars, was you walked up to a tablet, you got ID'd, you walked up to a tablet, you registered your face with your credit card and connected the two. And then you went to the bar and you were good for that day. At the end of the day, it would automatically close out. That seemed like a good solution, but it was a lot of steps in the process for A, for us to operate, to set up an additional equipment, making sure they're charged connectivity and all those things in that environment is difficult. And then the patron having to do a little bit more. So we switched that to a one-time check-in process where you did it once and you were good to go. So we thought in our minds, you know, you spending two minutes to do something, to alleviate you know, every other time you were going was a pretty good solution. Unfortunately, getting people to make changes and doing things in the moment and outside of what they're used to was a whole lot more difficult than we ever imagined. And I don't think I quite realized it until you know one day I was actually sitting, getting my kids some McDonald's and I was sitting in the drive-through and I noticed that there's a 20% discount if you just had the McDonald's app and you pre-ordered for every McDonald's order you had. And I'm like, and I'm still sitting here in the drive-through even though I'm running a technology company trying to do this. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing this either. And it saves me money, but just because I didn't want, you know, want to go through that experience. So it made us kind of flip over to what we actually just launched a week and a half ago now to where you can walk up to the screen now, scan your face, put your phone number in, order your first drink, and we put a credit card terminal on every machine. So you could swipe your card, it'll tokenize that card, tie it back to your face, and then you're registered immediately at that standpoint. The difference in launching that has been mind-boggling honestly we've 3x on all our averages across the board since we put it on there i just got back from denver at empower this weekend we had taylor swift you know friday and saturday night i mean we did i think saturday over 1300 guests on one location we had a non-stop line for three hours all eight screens were just filled consistently the entire time um just making that transition i mean it's made a world of difference in the field 
making it frictionless and also making it kind of cool. I mean, the idea of scan my face, take my credit card, that's kind of neat. I'm sure there are people who come away from that going, you, you won't believe how I got my drink, you know, sort, sort of experience. It is actually my uh, VP of technology of IT, Steve Connolly. He was with the Red Sox for 20 years and NASCAR as well. And like during his job interview, he came down to just kind of like see it in person. That's one thing we want everybody to do. And he's like, in 20 years, I have never seen anybody take a picture of a concession stand in a positive manner. And here I am watching people do TikToks and Instagrams all night long in front of the bar and capturing their experience and reposting it. That is something I think that we never expected to the level it is. We always thought it was obviously cool in our own minds, but to see the patron and guest have that kind of experience, just basically using a vending machine, and I hate calling it a vending machine, but that's something I think is kind of unprecedented right now in the, in the industry. Justin Honeysuckle joining us. Next, Tended Bar takes aim at travel hospitality as Florida Business Minds continues. People's Gas, working with businesses across Florida to lower energy usage and costs with efficient natural gas. Get cashback energy conservation rebates when you install new natural gas equipment. Learn more at peoplesgas.com slash bizrebates. So one of the new venues that you are at is Brightline Train. I mean, obviously this podcast goes across the state. I'm sure there are listeners who will be on that train and have uh you know will experience the technology but that's interesting from a a business model standpoint still a a crowded setting sort of thing so it's a natural step but it's not a one-time go to this game sort of thing now it's the bar car on brightline what led you to get into that uh well, really, travel, hospitality is, you know, and travel is, is really kind of the next evolution and what we always planned on, to be honest. So we've got, you know, high volume venues, which is great. It's got sex appeal. It's got everything that you want in a lot of instances. But for the NFL, I mean, there's 10 games a season. You know, there's not it's not an everyday thing. And to your point, it's not a one time transaction in there. Maybe get a couple of drinks during that game. You know, the real difference is taking that to where it's. You can you see tinted bar and you're like, oh, I did use that here. Now I can walk up here and do it too. So, you know, as the person on our team that travels the most, I mean, walking in airports and your airport lounges was always something that we kind of, you know, realized that option. People are drinking in airport at eight in the morning. You know, it's it's apparently there's no time there. It's kind of like a casino. Most advantageous time to be a bartender. You know, if I'm trying to hire somebody, that's not the shift that I'm trying to that I want to work as as that bartender. Out of big ten a.m. Tuesday. Exactly. But it doesn't mean you're not going to sell anything. I mean, you can sell an extra 10 drinks an hour, but, you know, not have to worry about the staffing aspect of it, especially in that environment. I mean, it's it's going to increase over time. So instead of that, hey, I'm trying to put, you know, a thousand people through a bar in three hours. It's really no, I'm just trying to get an extra 300 people a day to use this bar to be able to use this area and, you know, make it a profit center. And Brightline was a great opportunity to start with their terminals. We got to do their Orlando terminal first. It's opening here in a couple of weeks and do their entire VIP lounge, like basically kind of their Delta Sky Lounge of Brightline. And the best part about that is everybody who goes in that lounge pays for that ticket. They get a free drink with their ticket automatically. So they get to use the bar, interact with it and just familiarize yourself with it in a much more calm setting. And then we'll be doing all the other terminals throughout you know, Florida, which is Miami, Boca, Aventura, Lauderdale, and Palm Beach as well. So you'll be able to experience Tinder Bar on all of them, you know, shortly. 
you can help with the push to, to bring Brightline to Jacksonville, just to, just to make it easy for you. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying. <laughs> to go back, you talked about uh, Mark Cuban's involvement. And one of the things that you've been successful on is that fundraising piece. I know that's one of the things our listeners are interested in. I think $5 million total you raised in maybe across two rounds. Talk to me about what you've learned over the course of that process. Well, the fundraising process is... There's not a lot of fun in fundraising, I can tell you that. So we started with Mark Huber, and actually in that evolution of that process, we ended up buying back Mark shares in that process and splitting ways before we did an Indiegogo crowdfund. So we did an equity crowdfund back before we launched our first bar here in Jacksonville. Um, raised a couple hundred grand there on that platform, launched that first bar in August of 2019. We closed that, I guess. The last day of 2018 was our final day of that round. So nine months later, launched the first bar in Jack's. And then during COVID, we ended up doing our Series A, which was $2 million in equity, $3 million in debt in total to help pay for that first tranche of machines that we have out in the field and really get things going and turn this from my brother and I and a couple people to a real company at that point. And, you know, as far as fundraising right now, we're in the middle of a bridge round, coincidentally, of really just trying to keep the stability going. We went from the Jacksonville Jaguars in 21 to basically really the start of 22. We had 19 new events and large venues kind of come into the in the fold during that 22 year, which was a huge jump in our world. And, you know, good or bad or indifferent, we, we said yes to everything we could to try to get there going and get that traction. And I think right now as we're you know looking at really the the next levels of it is what's our purpose for it and i think at the beginning it was to make something real now it's how are we going to utilize those funds for that growth and keep that scalability going because that's not it's not easy we're a hardware as a service company you know we don't sell the machines so they're heavily capital intensive on the front end and it's a long-term payback on the back end but you know our philosophy is a we keep all the technology in-house. I'm not worried about somebody coming and stealing it, you know, because they bought it and re re-engineered it on the back end. That's one part of it. But the other side is, you know, it's a long haul game. I'm not, we've seen some other companies out there that have done certain things and sold the machines. And then, you know, somebody's left here with a piece of equipment that's either outdated, doesn't work well. And the company who sold it to them was like, well, it's not my problem anymore. You bought it. And that's not what we wanted to do, you know? So we put it in somewhere where like, if you're not making money on this machine, then we're not making any money on this machine. And that's that's our goal. It keeps us in there, keeps our foot in the door to make sure that relationship's maintained and that our customers are utilizing it, you know, to the best of its ability. Just like I mentioned how we just went to the on-screen registration. We had to go and deploy, you know, credit card terminals at every screen in our ecosystem. And that's over a hundred screens right now. But everybody got that upgrade. It wasn't like, hey, I'm sitting here in San Antonio and I didn't get that upgrade that they got in Charlotte. Everybody got it. That way, everybody gets to experience you know, the uptick when our technology grows as we're always advancing that part of it. Excellent. So as we wrap up, uh, what are you looking forward to on the horizon? What's next for Tended Bar? That airport and hospitality environment is really our main focus right now outside of continuing on in the, every, in the high volume environments. The high volume environments we've gotten a really good niche going with uh, several different concessionaires that are out there and most of the major ones, but taking it to that airport, taking it to your courtyard Marriott lobby, being able to have it in those environments is really kind of our next tick. We've got a new company in the fold that's basically a company called Arios. They do heavy industrial airplane manufacturing parts. But with them, we've spun off tinted bar manufacturing so that we can kind of control our own ecosystem there and 
really make sure that our product is as quality as we need it to be in the field. Because if it's not operating efficiently, you know, it's a big struggle on us to do that. You know, we've got people on call every night, no matter when bars are in their operation, but if they're in operation from, you know, 8 a.m. Eastern to, you know, 2 a.m. Pacific time. I mean, that's a big delta that we can't be having problems all day. So making sure that quality of environment is, is what we need is key. And having that manufacturing partner was huge in that process. So transferring the 25 mobile bars we have right now that are great for that stadium environment into a more built-in environment, customer-facing, to where you could put it in a anywhere from a shopping mall to an airport to you know your highest-end hotel lobby is really our focus. And really just expanding the, the footprint so people know that, hey, you know what, this isn't some big scary machine. It's very user-friendly, and I can really get a custom cocktail, not a pre-batched you know, Jack and Cola in a can. Awesome. Well, I think that's everything I'd ask. I really do uh, appreciate the time. Next time we get together, we'll have to do it over a drink and uh, find Sounds great. They, uh, with a tender bar to make it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim. I appreciate the time. Thank you for downloading Florida Business Minds, presented by the Business Journals of Florida, brought to you by Tico People's Gas, at the heart of Florida's energy.